Welcome to Women to Women podcast. Our guest today is Katrina Hyde. Katrina has built a solid reputation as an entrepreneur, patient-centric business leader, experienced in drug development, project management, and client engagement, among other passions and pursuits. As a founding partner of Artemis Factor, Katrina built this firm with a team of trusted female partners to deliver projects for pharmaceutical and life sciences clients. In her personal time, Katrina enjoys traveling, spending time with family and friends, and she gives back to the communities where she lives and works. Currently, sir. serving on the board of directors for Heights Philadelphia in December 2022 she completed a 3 year term as a board of directors secretary with women of color in pharma hi cat welcome to women to women podcast so great to have you with us here today divya i am super excited to be on the women to women podcast this is the highlight of my week i've been looking forward to having this conversation with you so thank you um, let's start all the way back so how was childhood what what were you planning to be when you grow up you know oh so let's start all the way back i had planned to be a lawyer that was i can remember up until maybe second grade and it just seemed glamorous because the only um representatives or representations of professionals that I could remember at that young age were on television and of course one of my favorite TV shows growing up was the the Huxtables the Cosby show and Claire Huxtable was a lawyer and and Bill Cosby was a a doctor so I wanted to be a lawyer I wanted to be Claire Huxtable uh, but very shortly as a young person I realized maybe maybe not and I had an affinity for math and science and so science became my career path of choice when I got the chance to choose were there different options within science that you looked at high school level or was it just very linear from that always a curiosity about biology and how the world kind of works like what makes things appear as they are and no references in my family about being a scientist really no references in my family about being a professional uh so just the mere curiosity of how the world works from a biological you know and and physical perspective so when I got into high school, I took advanced biology classes, uh and when I got to college and had to start, you know, choosing biochemistry, the combination, you know, sort of of the two was what I majored in. So did you have a plan like okay, this is the degree I'm going to have and then this is where I'm going to go and did everything go according to that plan? That's a very good question. The only plan was to get myself out of poverty. So we'll just start there. My background um was a very and I'll I use the word poverty and I caveat that because a lot of people take offense poverty in in some instances or in some people's frame of reference is a mind frame. So I grew up with not a lot of finances, so I guess people call that broke. Uh and so wanting to change that circumstance was the plan. And one of the pillars of of that was getting an education because in my in my family up until that point, no one had a college degree. There were very few people who had high school diplomas. And so getting out of poverty was getting an education you know for me and just thinking about what interested me and what could help give me a career path it was the the sciences but in all honesty you know if if I I'm thinking now I was thinking medicine okay I'll be a doctor and go to medical school so back to my reference of the Cosby show and and the Huxtables but once I got into to college I realized I couldn't really see myself
myself being a, a doctor and my frame of reference at that point was a, a practicing physician in a hospital like you saw, you know, Dr. Huxtable or, or Bill Cosby do. I didn't realize the myriad of options you have with a medical degree. You know, you could be a research doctor or work in the pharmaceutical industry. I didn't understand all that. So I quickly changed my thought process from going to medical school to focusing in the sciences and chemistry was the path that seemed the best option for me. So that was the plan to to get out of poverty through education. We have people who really shaped you, like even at that young age, understanding that education is important. That's like the ticket to really a brighter future. It's not something every kid thinks of. So were there like people who really gave you that science or helped you really come to that conclusion? I'm glad you asked that question because there were many interventions, I'll call them, or angels um, that the universe gifted me along the way. And I'm grateful that I was able to recognize those people and those opportunities. Um, the earliest that I can remember were elementary school teachers. So my math and my um, environmental sciences teacher that recognized that I was bright, you know, gifted, um, had a thirst for education, was very studious, was, you know, focused. And they nominated me for an award to be a part of an organization called Philadelphia Futures. It's since rebranded. It's now called Heights Philadelphia. And it was an organization focused on first generation to college low income students in Philadelphia. And at the time I joined the organization, it was fairly new, maybe about two, two or three years old. So it hadn't had many classes. And the resources it provided at that time were simply mentors, professional folks who volunteered their time to help a young, low income, aspiring, you know, high school, high school student who wanted to go to college, just sort of helping them from a mentorship capacity. So that organization and my mentor were sort of the second intervention or angels that helped me along this, this path to pursuing education as a way out of, out of poverty. And my mentor, like one of the biggest gifts that she gave me was the gift of access to a world and information that I otherwise wouldn't have. And it allowed me to see the environment that I was coming from and how that was setting me up for the world that I would eventually enter into and sort of where my deficits were and what I needed to do to be able to compete, to be able to be on, you know, some level of par, you know, with my peers, because you don't know what you don't know. And if you're in an environment that does not allow for you to see what the world, the world looks like, you just won't know and you won't be prepared. This is so fascinating, Kat. So I was part of my previous work. I was part of this Trenton High School mentorship. We did exact same thing with Trenton High Kids. And we took kids from sophomore all the way to college. And I've done that like for three kids. And I still follow them because it's so, it's like you make that connection, you know, because you want them to succeed. And it's so nice to hear the other side of the story, you know, because they do tell me, but it's when you see somebody who's actually come from there all the way to where you are today, which is just amazing. I'm hopeful my mentees will make it to where you are someday and really looking forward to that. And when you get to be a part of their their story, when you get to be a, a, a pivot point, that angel or that intervention, as I'm calling it, along their journey, it's just an amazing feeling. And what I'm also grateful for today is that I'm a board member of 
Heights, Philadelphia, as well as an alumnus. So I get to be a living example of the students that are there now, you know, what their trajectory could be. Because what was lacking for me was representation, was seeing someone who looked like me and demonstrating what could be possible, even if your start is a little bit rough, you know, even if your start isn't ideal. Yeah, that's awesome. So if you could divide your uh, life and how your career progressed in different chapters, what would they be and how did each chapter kind of lend itself? So I'll say the beginning chapter was the identification of agency. The next chapter was the recognition of relevancy and influence. And then there's a chapter of lifting as you climb or bringing others along. And so in the first chapter, that recognition of agency, when you're very early in your career and you don't have a lot of demonstrations of folks that have been in corporate America or in professional settings, you're just learning. You're learning how to be an adult and and be responsible for yourself and all of the, the responsibilities that you now have as an adult and how to navigate the corporate world. The corporate world for me was pharma. And that's a very unique corporate environment. You're working in healthcare. So a lot of people have very altruistic goals and visions going in. But pharma is a is a is a machine. Like there's a lot of different, you know, components. And as a young person, you're trying to come in and, and find yourself and find where you fit. Um, and you want to do a good job. But as a female in life sciences and in the pharmaceutical industry and as an African American female, it wasn't the easiest for me to to transition in and, and find my place and find the support and all of the things that make starting out in your career easier. Um, but what I learned was I had agency over my career and my experience in the pharmaceutical industry when I was first starting out. And I'm I, when I think back on it, I am happy that I had some experiences that early on to demonstrate to me that I have agency and I can control or change some of the circumstances that I found myself in. And now those lessons were hard lessons to learn, but have definitely carried with me and, and served me well in my career journey. And the hard lessons come from these experiences with bosses that weren't, you know, the greatest or managers that weren't supportive. And you have, have a choice to make. You can either suffer in silence or speak up and, you know, let someone know what's going on. And that's only after you realize that you don't work for any one person. You work for a company that has a responsibility to you and you should have some level of expectations for how you want to be treated in the workplace if your goal is to go into work and do the best job that you can. It should be in an environment and with people that want to help you do that. So true. And and as you said, you know, sometimes being a woman, especially being a woman of color is not easy. It, it's just a lot of things you need to navigate. Were there instances where you kind of had to step out and come up with a strategy to deal with situations? So what helped in that situation? So if I anchor back to those early experiences, it was listening to more experienced people and really understanding what what they were saying. So one of the messages that I got early when I was having a difficult time 
time with a manager was you don't work for that manager. You work for a company. And I know no matter where you are in your career, the statistics show that people leave jobs because of bad bosses, you know, not necessarily the, the, the company. And so learning early on that the company has a responsibility, you know, to me and to make sure that my experience is a good one, but they won't be able to intervene if they don't know what's going on, if I don't speak up. And as a woman of color, oftentimes we, as you said, don't have the best experiences, but sometimes it's hard to articulate or we don't know if we have a safe enough place to express what's going to happen, you know, what's happening with us, or we don't feel that there will be any interventions. But if you don't test those theories, you'll never make any progress or, or get any help. So trusting the relationships that I had built early on in that career that I could tell someone who I felt could help me and then doing it, acting on it, actually expressing what was going on and then seeing change happen were the, were the things that helped me gain that agency, understand that in agency, you have a responsibility to yourself to make known what your circumstances are, you know, how you would like the, the intervention to come and then just trust that the help will come. You know, having that network, having those relationships in place where you're safe enough to have that discussion, whether it's a co-worker, peer, whatever that is, so that they understand and they can give you good advice. Women have a tough time building those networks. You know, just having those honest relationships is who do you trust, who do you not trust? Were there things that kind of helped you overcome those inhibitions? So now let's fast forward to, let's just say mid-career, where you've experienced some good, some not so good, and you start to see patterns of things happening in workspaces that are not unique to you. You're starting to see this is happening, you know, to others. Um, and I was fortunate to come across an organization called Women of Color in Pharma in, in mid-career that was starting up, which is a, an organization, a professional society, to help with some of the issues that have been plaguing women of color, you know, most notably Black women and Latina women in the pharmaceutical environment. In our little pockets, you know, we'll express to each other, those whom we feel safe with, what we're really experiencing. And there's enough of those little pockets that a few women got together and said, you know what, we're going to form this organization, which is very safe, very nurturing. And because we all get what we're experiencing, you don't have to, there's not a lot of context or explaining about what's happening. We can just get down to solutions that we can provide to the pharmaceutical companies to help them help us. If they can't seem to figure out how to help, you know, help us or, or solve the people of the woman of color problem. And that network, you know, built on common issues or common experiences, I think makes it a little bit easier to trust. But you're right. It's often hard to find networks or find people that you can be that transparent and honest with, especially about things that you're experiencing in the workplace. So in your professional career, did you seek out mentors? Did you have sponsors, allies? Uh, for sure. Um, and some of my greatest, greatest mentors were white males. Um, and if you watch white males and how they navigate corporate America, you it's it's you idolize it. Like it's like if only I could walk through my professional career like that. But if you take a step back and, and watch how they maneuver in corporate America and then listen to the advice that they give you as a mentor, if you just experiment a little bit with what they say, because sometimes you listen and it does not apply to you. You're you're like, there's no way I can can do that or or say that or try for that. But if you just experiment, and it's always the the scientific 
scientist in me thinking about experimentation, you would be surprised, you know, at the outcome. Um, I remember one mentor of mine giving me the perspective that companies aren't loyal to their employees and they don't have to be. Like their business drivers are, you know, first and foremost to the customers that they serve and, you know, to Wall Street if they're a publicly traded company. And as employees, we are oftentimes very loyal to the companies that we work for. So when we experience things that are negative, you know, let's just say a, a, a restructuring or a layoff, we are devastated because we've given so much to these companies and we expect so much. So, you know, you, you're you're hurt, but you don't, just like the company doesn't, have to be loyal. There, there's no nothing in, in the rule book that says companies have to be loyal to you. So once I got that perspective, it allowed me once again to take agency over my development and understanding my value proposition in this company, um, but also what I wanted to do with my career and how I wanted my value to be demonstrated in this company. It's not the company's responsibility to develop you and to you know read your mind in terms of what you, you want to do. So if they're not loyal to you in that way, then you have to take some accountability and responsibility for how your career is going to look and feel, how you are going to develop to be able to do and accomplish all of the things you want to do in your career. So White Male Mentor helped me get to that understanding. That's a great story, by the way. Thank you for sharing it. Are there certain types of jobs or roles that you recommend? I, because my path was not linear. So oftentimes when people, you know, tell their story or talk about their career journey, it might seem linear. Um, and you oftentimes don't have a lot of time to explain the different pivot points or how you got from, you know, one area to what seems like a whole entire different area. But I would say, understand if you want to be a generalist and learn a little bit about a lot of things or a specialist and go deep in one area. And depending on which path you take, there are different opportunities you should seek out to, to, to round yourself out. So I thought that I would be a deep scientist. So that's where I started my career as an analytical scientist for Merck Pharmaceutical Companies. And I worked in vaccines and in natural products. And as I progressed in my career, mentors or, or managers that are invested in you take notice of some skills that you might not even be aware of that you have. Um, and one manager in particular made note of my softer skills and my high emotional intelligence and my ability to motivate people without authority and negotiate and move things along, which opened up avenues to different types of career paths or, or experiences. And he allowed me, ex, you know, little experimental roles within my, my scientific career that helped me see wh what I could do with those soft skills. And that led its way to, to project management. So I would say, if you want to be a generalist or a specialist, kind of under, understand that and then see out opportunities to test some of your other skill sets and see what type of career that might lend itself to. You decided after a while, corporate job, you founded Artemis Packer. That's a I, huge leap, right? I love the way you frame it. I decided. Um, <laughs> if only it was that. So this is, you know, another one of those opportunities, I'll say that was born out of a, a situation that wasn't of my choosing. So my the company that I was working for, the pharmaceutical company at the time went through a restructuring. And so my entire group was eliminated, which afforded the opportunity, because that's the way I look at it, to either you know 
pursue other roles within the company that I worked for, take my show on the road and then explore other pharmaceutical companies or even other industries or bet on myself and start what is now Artemis Factor. And I'm so grateful that I chose the latter. And part of that decision-making was the fact that I had a network, that I had, you know, women that I had met in Women of Color in Pharma, which was just kind of starting at that time, that gave me some level of confidence that if this experiment that is now Artemis didn't work, I know these women, you know, in pharma that one of them will help me get a job. So having, you know, what feels sort of like a safety net underneath you doesn't make the the risk of starting your own company as scary when you have a, a network or some support system that gives you some confidence that if this doesn't work, I'll be okay. It's a great way of looking at it. Now looking back, any major mistake or at the time you felt that was a failure, but now looking back, it really helped you become a better person. Uh, nothing that I would say was a mistake or a, a failure, just things that you can learn from and improve on. Um, and I think that's just a, a perspective and not everyone has that perspective, but yeah, I don't see things as failures. No, you learn along the way things that you like things that you don't like, areas that you're not strong in, and you can either, you know, take the action to improve or say, you know what, that's just something I'm never going to be good at. I'm glad that I know it. I will not devote any energy to that, but maybe put my energy in things that I am really good at. So nothing really seen as failures, just as data to then make different choices about how I spend my energy, what motivates me and gives me energy. In any kind of advice, women, just based on everything you've seen, any mentees that you have seen, especially women, certain kind of attributes or mindsets that you develop, get more out of every situation. I would say have expectations and not little expectations. So we hear the example oftentimes of men when they go to apply for roles, they are super confident when they only check maybe three of the 10 requirements for that job, where if you contrast that with a woman, we need all 10 and two extras. Um, and then you layer on being a woman of color and, you know, we might make the list even longer before we even think we're qualified to apply for the job. So what I would say is be a little bit more courageous, have some expectations of how you want to be treated in the workplace, the type of workplace environment you want. Um, if your company says that they believe in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, lean into that, you know, and when you're not seeing evidence of that, you know, ask some questions, remind them, say, hey, this is a part of your values, but I'm not feeling it in, in my work environment. I would say, remember that you have agency over your your career. You can ask for things. And if you're not getting what you, what you need and want, maybe you consider leaving. Maybe that's not the best in, environment for you. You. So don't feel stuck. Um, remember your value um, and, and understand your value and how to articulate it. And don't let managers' circumstances diminish your value. Because if it's not being seen and recognized where you are, there is a place where you will be seen and your value will be recognized. Um, I would say don't rely on companies to develop you or to you know give you the opportunity 
ways that you need, you might have to seek them out and and take responsibility and accountability for your own development. Find mentors. Hopefully those mentors could develop into sponsors who are critical oftentimes in getting people further along in their career. And there is a difference between mentors and sponsors. And I hope people, you know, under understand that sponsors are those people who have the ability and the um, authority to put your names in rooms where you might not otherwise have access, uh, put you in position for opportunities that you might not otherwise be, uh, that might not otherwise be available to you. Um, and I guess in a final thoughts, I would say be courageous as a, as a woman, be daring. What gives you joy? Ooh, simple things. Um, family, being able to choose who I work with and what types of work that I do now being a, a business owner, being able to provide opportunities for others, being able to mentor and pass along my experiences in hopes that it will help someone, you know, accelerate in their journey or give them confidence. Um, joy is self-care and, and trying to remember to take time to refill my own well. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's just such a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. So, so much for your time. Thank you so much. Have a great day.